at the end of the day, like this is my big message that I tell parents all the time. Like it's not your fault. Like you couldn't have done anything better to make them not a picky eater. Like they do need a lot of support to get through that, but you can't just bypass it. You know, I'm a chef and a dietitian and he still does not want to try half my food. And I'm like, I know it's delicious. Like everyone else thinks it's delicious. Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell, registered dietitian and personal trainer. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. We cut the baloney of the food shaming and focus on making healthy habits that work for you. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Hey there, thank you for joining us this week. Today we are talking about eating habits for kids. We have covered the topic of intuitive eating for adults, but the question is, how do you teach your child intuitive eating? especially when they are picky eaters. Ooh, such a hard one. Picky eating can be extremely difficult and cause stress for the parents and the entire family. How do you stop those tantrums at the dinner table when new foods are served? How do you comfort your child when this happens? Today we talk with nutritionist Haley, known on Instagram. Haley has wonderful tips and advice to take your picky eater to an intuitive eater. And let's not forget, have peaceful meals. We talk about the steps to introduce new foods, how to calm the worry of making sure your child is getting all the nutrition they need, and how to navigate the holidays, especially when family members may be commenting on what your child is or is not eating. (laughs) Join us for this conversation. Well, Haley, it is so nice to have you here with us today. Can you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Haley Walker, and I um, am an RD2B, about to be a dietitian. Um, And I do, I have a private practice, and I work with um, picky eating kids and um, parents who want to help their kids become intuitive eaters and raise them with a healthy relationship to food. Um, so that's basically what I do. I love that niche. That is um, one that's very necessary right now. And on Instagram, you're known as Nutritionist Haley. So explain to everyone, you're a nutritionist now, but you're going to be an RD, a registered dietitian. Um, what does that mean? Yeah, so right now um, in my private practice, I do nutrition coaching, um, which works the best for um, my niche and kind of coaching parents and how to present those new foods to their children and work them through different types of doing kind of food chaining. So not jumping from like chicken nuggets to broccoli, you know, we're taking like a few easier steps for their kids in between that. And then um, also really helping them out with the language that their kids need in order to develop those healthy relationships with food, like not calling foods bad or good and, you know, doing things like that. So a lot of my stuff is more coaching. And so 
my practice won't change too much once I get my registered dietitian. But, you know, I put in my four years of undergraduate schooling. I took my internship for six months and I did lots of specialty things with kids nutrition. And now I've completed my master's degree. So now I'm a master of nutrition. Um, And so my last step is just to take that big exam. And then, so I've had to go through a lot more hoops to get that dietitian um, name once I do that um, on top of being a nutritionist. So. I point that out because I don't think people realize how much schooling there is. You have a bachelor's degree plus a master's plus an internship, and now you are studying to for the um, RD exam. And the term nutritionist and dietitian gets kind of muddled a little bit. And so... All registered dietitians are nutritionists, but not all nutritionists are dietitians. So you have those last little steps to become that registered dietitian. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we can't make it easy, can we? But that's okay. <laughs> so uh, after the six plus years of school, you're on your way to be a registered dietitian and nutritionist Haley on Instagram. How has the Instagram world been? It's been a little um, overwhelming at first, but I feel like I'm getting my footing now. Um, Just, yeah, trying to figure everything out on there. And yeah. So with ending picky eating on your IG profile, have you had any experience yourself with this? Yeah, so um, my son was a picky eater growing up. Of course, I had one of each. My daughter is like, a dumpster. She will eat anything and everything. I'm like, she'll eat everything literally. And then my son is very apprehensive about food just from when he was a baby, you know, and I have all of this schooling and all this knowledge about it. But at the end of the day, like, this is my big message that I tell parents all the time. Like, it's not your fault. Like you couldn't have done anything better to make them not a picky eater like they do need a lot of support to get through that but you can't just bypass it you know I'm a chef and a dietitian and he still does not want to try half my food and I'm like I know it's delicious like everyone else thinks that's delicious but he doesn't want to try it and that's not anything that any of us could have done he's just a pickier eater and so um, yeah, so I've worked through all of these steps with him personally, and now I've done it with all my clients. And it's just amazing to see how much change that you can get when you really meet them where they're at and work through it instead of putting all that guilt on yourself as a mom or a parent and feeling like you did something wrong, you know? And I think a lot of parents sometimes feel that their kid isn't getting enough food, enough nutrition. Um, what kind of steps do you take them through in the beginning process? Yeah, so I always remind parents that their kids are born intuitive eaters and more likely than not, they're going to get the nutrition that they need. So all of this worrying is usually for nothing. Um, But just to help them with that, I do provide some education on, you know, how much protein is actually necessary. That's one thing I hear a lot from my clients is that they're like, I don't, my kid doesn't eat any protein sources. Like I don't think they're getting enough protein. And I'm like, well, they really only need, you know, so much for their age. And it's 
it isn't that much, you know, it's like 13 grams when they're little. And, you know, so we talk about what that looks like throughout a day. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, they might be getting all the protein they need from just eating bread and beans and their fruits and vegetables, you know, it adds up over time. Wow. Yeah, that that really is a small amount. That's less than what I would have thought. So just probably eye opening for them to see that. Yeah, yeah, it for sure is. Um, and with the picky eating, is is it just a phase or will this be lifelong? Yeah, so to be a true picky eater, it is not a phase. Um, every kid goes through that. What And sometimes parents freak out a little bit um, when kids pass that like one and a half, between one and a half and like two and a half to three years different for every child but around then their nutritional needs drop a lot um you experience this huge period of growth um when the children are younger and they're transitioning from that baby to toddler age and then it kind of drops off and they don't have this bigger period of growth so sometimes their eating drops a little bit and this concerns a lot of parents but it isn't something to be concerned about unless your child has a very limited um like say they're cutting out food groups if they have a really small list of foods that you can always count on them eating, we call them safe foods, something that if you serve it most of the time, your child will accept that food. Um, so if they're not meeting those criteria or if they just are flat out refusing meals, like a lot of times, like several meals a day or several days out of the week, um, it can be you want to kind of go over that with somebody and make sure that it's not just a phase because if you do have a picky eater who is doing those types of things um, and not meeting their nutritional needs throughout the week, like looking at it as a bigger picture and not just like one meal, if they're not meeting those needs throughout the week, they're not going to grow out of this picky eating. They need help out of it and they really need somebody to work through them, which is what I do because, you know, it's really concerning and it can feel like, all this information on Google, like you don't know what to do and you can read something and you can read through all these things, but there's so much conflicting information. And if your child doesn't like it right away, um, it can feel like you're not going in the right direction. So it's very overwhelming and confusing. It can be a hard, never ending battle. And I'm <laughs> I remember that stage when you would get into the crying, the tantrums, and with the food, um, I even remember going to a preschool and we tried like some new foods. We tried a smoothie and edamame and some poor little kids just were in tears. And I was like, oh, no, no, it's OK. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so with those emotions, what are some steps to take for parents in dealing with mealtime? Yeah, so if your child is afraid of foods, we never want to pressure them into eating it. So there's lots of different strategies you can take um, for those foods that your child might be a little bit more anxious about, um, such as not serving it right away, using it as like a play food first. Um, So I always encourage my clients and everybody that I talk to on Instagram, get your kids in the kitchen with you, um, preparing the food, you know, doing the grocery shopping and like looking at what that food looks like in its natural form. Even if it's something that you're buying like frozen, let's look at it, take it out of the package, see what it looks like, maybe watch it thaw out. It kind of takes a little bit of that 
um, guesswork or the mystery out of what that food is. Um, and it can even go as far as maybe watching a video on how edamame is made or grown before trying to serve it to them because it can be a little bit scary. You know, you think maybe they're being a little bit dramatic, but for them, they've never seen that food before. I always like to point out to parents, you know, what if I served you a plate of cricket? (laughs) Most of you would not be so excited to take a bite of that, you know, and you probably don't want to be told that you're being dramatic or like, no, just take one bite of the crickets. It's like, yeah, I have not yet met a parent who was like, oh, I think I would be really open to eating a cricket. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. And um, a nice kind of slow process uh, to just show them first without forcing it on the, the plate right away. Yeah. At what time um, does there need to be more help involved with in with the picky eating as opposed to maybe there's uh, swallowing or, you know, maybe there's some other issues or, um, areas that need to be addressed. Yeah. So that's one of the first things that I encourage all parents to do is figure out that root of picky eating, because it can come from so many different things, but it's important to notify which thing it is, because if they have chewing and swallowing difficulties, they're going to need to go see a speech language pathologist to kind of get that issue solved first. If they have maybe some gut motility issues, um, a lot of picky eaters suffer from like chronic constipation and that can be from the picky eating or they might just be constipated and it's causing a little bit of the picky eating um, because if you've ever been constipated, you don't really want to eat when you feel like that. So it's just um, kind of figuring out those different things. So the root of your picky eating could be a ton of different things. But I always tell parents, if it's causing stress in your family, if you are overwhelmed by it, get help. You don't need to try and tough it out yourself. There's never a time. You don't need to meet certain criteria to get help for picky eating. If you feel like you would like help with it and support, reach out and get some support for that. I love that. Um now, sometimes within the parenting style different is different between the two parents. Now, you may have one parent that is, you know, full on to the intuitive eating and you have another parent that is like, you can't have dessert until you finish your vegetables. Um, what do you say to that? Because that is very common. Yes, it is very common, um, especially with the intuitive eating stuff. Usually one parent doesn't quite understand But even with the picky eating, sometimes the parent that doesn't stay home with the kids all day, like I work with quite a lot of stay-at-home moms, and maybe the dad doesn't really understand how big of an issue it is. So really just kind of getting everybody on the same page and having the parent that stays home with the children speak about how they're feeling around you know, how the kid is eating and like what that looks like on a day-to-day basis, because it can be really important for them, the other parent that doesn't stay home with the kids to hear those types of things and really understand how big of an issue it is. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to have like a happy life and they want the rest of their family to be happy too. And most of the time it just comes from that little bit of lack of communication or understanding where the other parent doesn't really understand how big of an issue it is. And then with that intuitive eating um, 
piece. I do do a little bit of education when I do um, my like first calls with people. If they have, um, if one of the parents is kind of feeling a little bit apprehensive about this and they're like, I don't think this is really the right way to go. Like I don't want them to, you know, eat a ton of sweets. That's the usual thing people think with intuitive eating is that your kid is just going to eat sweets all day and that's all that's going to go there. So I like to present a little bit of that research and talk about how, you know, a lot of my clients, as soon as we offer this unlimited, you know, you can have these sweets when they're available in unlimited amounts and we offer it frequently. They, all of the parents are shocked. They're like, my kid actually eats less sweets now (laughs) that we aren't like choosing how much they get to eat every time. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's, yeah, it's exactly does what it's supposed to do. Um, but I like to share some of that research with them and talk about how if you don't let your kid choose those things now, you know, what happens when they're a teenager or an adult and they can drive themselves to the store to get ice cream. They can drive themselves to the fast food restaurant. You know, they're not going to know how to do that self-regulation. They're going to be like a kid in a candy shop who hasn't ever had rules, like have been able to choose those rules for themselves. So. Yeah, we go over a lot of that stuff and it kind of helps people put it into perspective a little bit. It's not a free for all. It's we're going to choose which foods are served for your children, but we're going to let them make those choices about if they're going to eat those and how much they're going to eat of those foods. I agree with that 100% because I have seen it um, growing up as a teenager. I think it was my 13th birthday party. Oh, I had all the girls in my class, which there was, you know, I think like 12 or 13 or whatever. And one of the gals, she was her, her parents were very strict with her. They wouldn't let her have any junk food, quote unquote, you know, not listen to Paula Abdul or anything like that or put on makeup or anything. And she came to my party. We put makeup on her. She drank, she drank a bunch of Mountain Dew ate an entire bag of Cheetos. I mean, we were all like, our mouth was in awe, like, oh my gosh. And she just thought that was, wow. (laughs) So I always think of that and kind of laugh to myself. Um, And I see that uh, within other kids too, that I know um, our parents are a little bit more strict on the sugar. Now, if a kid is, you know, nonstop wanting candy or wanting treats, um, how do you start that process of intuitive eating with those kind of treat foods? Yeah, so intuitive eating looks different, obviously, for children than it does for adults, because we still, and I still use Alan Satter's division of responsibility. The parents get to decide the foods that are offered and when they are offered, but the kids get to choose if they're going to eat those foods and then how much of them they're going to eat. And that goes for sweets too. Um, So parents don't have to offer these sweets unlimited throughout the day. So even though your child is asking all of the time throughout the day, it's important to remind them You know, we're having Oreos with our breakfast today, um, and then we're going to have them again, like, in a couple of days. But they're not offered the entire time, right? It's not a free-for-all. The parents are still in charge. But it is important to let them kind of eat those to how much they're wanting to. So maybe they'll eat one Oreo. But when you start doing this, please 
realize that they're probably going to eat way more than you are comfortable with. And that is okay. It's doing that process of habituation where the kids need to know that they're going to be able to have those so they don't put them on a pedestal and go crazy with them anytime they are offered, right? So, um, yeah. So when parents are just starting out, I really encourage them to set those schedules if they don't have a schedule for meals and snacks. But choose when they're offered and then watch your language around what you're saying so if your daughter or your son asks for ice cream, we're not saying, no, you can't have ice cream. You've had too much sugar today, or you can't have that. That's bad for you. Or no, you're acting a little bit crazy. You know, the ice cream isn't for any type of behavior. We're having it because it's available. Like if they're asking you to drive to the store and go get ice cream, it's okay to say, no, we don't have like, that's not in our budget. We don't have time. We have to go a different way today. Those are all okay responses. Just any response that doesn't put blame on the child or attach emotion to those foods. So, right. So just saying like, you know, we're not having ice cream today. That's it. That's it. That's end. We're not having ice cream today. It's available in two days. We don't need to say anything else about it. We don't want the kids to have an unhealthy relationship with food. Perfect. Um, I'm sure the parents are learning through this process, too, because I feel like we have been influenced by diet culture. And so it may be harder to adapt to these intuitive eating practices. Do you have to kind of coach the parents um, on what intuitive eating as well? Yeah, so most of the parents that come to me that want to do this have already kind of done their own intuitive eating journey or they're working with somebody on their own intuitive eating. And I love that they do that too. But I would remind them, you know, they don't have to have a perfect relationship with food to teach their kids to have a healthy relationship. Um, But it does make it a lot easier because you're kind of, you know, that thought process, if you know intuitive eating already, you know not to say certain things to your kids and you know kind of that this is a learning process and it takes a while. And so you treat your kids with a lot more grace once you also know. But yeah, I don't mind kind of educating parents on that when we're going through these types of things too. Yes. How can parents treat the holidays or celebrations with children eating and also kind of, you know, tolerating some family comments too, like, oh, that's all you're going to eat? Yeah. So as for the comments, um, if you have older children, I recommend doing kind of conversation in the car or prior to your holiday events where you're going somewhere. Just reminding them, you know, you get to choose if you're going to eat those foods. Um, even if Uncle Bob is telling you you need to have two more bites, like you don't have to listen to them. I will step in if I hear it or you can like kind of ask me if you need help. Um, but just remind them that they don't need to do anything that somebody else is telling them to do. Um, and I like to do that just before the holiday parties because you can't really have those conversations at the table all of the time. Um, and then if you interact with those people or you hear those comments while you're having these family meals and this goes for, you kind of have to read the room on how your family is and like, you, you probably don't want to start a fight at Christmas, but at the same time, you can just kind of shut it down immediately and say like, you know, we don't do food and body comments. Um, we're going to choose the food that we want. Like, we don't do that. Please don't comment on that. 
Um, or you can kind of just try and change the subject if you don't want to get into that there. And that's just personal preference. You know, it's just a couple days out of the year and it's important to have the conversation with your kids afterwards. If something, if somebody does say something to them or to you about your food, um, having that conversation, like I chose not to say anything this time because I didn't want to start a fight today, but that wasn't okay. And I might send them a message later or give them a phone call later. Um, but because every family is different. So I don't like to say, you know, you have to shut it down because we don't want to start fights sometimes. So, and then for the, um, handling holiday meals, I personally do, we don't do any rules. Like the kids get to choose, um, because typically at parties, the food is served all day long. Like it's a big grazing fest. It isn't like one sit down meal a lot of the time. So it's okay to just say, you know, this isn't how we typically eat. You can do what you want today. Um, but if you have like a big buffet, I recommend parents take a plate and make a balanced plate for your kids. So including that the fruits and vegetables for your fiber and then some protein and then some of those fun foods and stuff on there too. So creating that balanced plate can help a little bit. So then they know that they can eat all of those foods. Cause a lot of times if they get to pick, they'll go up and choose just the things that they want and kind of forget about the other things there. And then we get in the van and they're like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, we just ate. It <laughs> 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 happens all the time. So, <laughs> yep. um, with these comments too, I have even found this in the school. There was one time where my son, he was in kindergarten and he had his lunch he had a sandwich, and then I'm sure he had some fruit and vegetables with it, but he also had like a nut chocolate bar. And one of the teachers made a comment, you you have to finish your sandwich before you eat your, your chocolate bar. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure this uh, learning process has to be, you know, extended within the schools and the daycares as well. Yeah, yeah. And I know there's a lot of... Um, really good RDs that have some resources for um, talking to the teachers at school or like other parents and just kind of like letters to the school system on how this can be kind of damaging. And I'm forgetting who they are, but if I think of it, I can send you a link later. Um, But yeah, they have some really good letters like to teachers and stuff, but it's always important to approach those situations with a, we want to raise the kids together and you're an important part of my child's growth but I want them to, you know, have a healthy relationship with food. And a lot of the times um, the, the teachers have really good um, intentions behind that. And they want to make sure all the kids are growing up to be healthy and stuff. But as you said before, you know, we, so much of our culture is rooted in diet culture. And so there's, you can talk to your teachers about that. Um, but yeah, I, there really needs to be a larger kind of effort behind that nationally, I, I think, because we got to get everybody on the same page with that. It is very confusing for the kids to hear that at school and then come home and have like other stuff said to them. So (sighs) another headache. And I, in the past, I remember seeing like, uh, red light, green light foods too. And now like thinking about that and like, Oh, I don't know if that's so helpful. Um, learning about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I always like to point out when I talk to um, teachers about that, if I'm having a conversation with some teachers, 
I like to say, you know, um, and at my son's school, we actually do have a dietitian that just came on and she's kind of revamping all of that stuff. So it's really cool to see that stuff. And it's a lot, they don't talk about that stuff anymore. So that's good. Cause yeah, I remember seeing some of that stuff, even in my internship where they were placing foods on this, um, piece of paper that had red on one side and green on the other and it was good foods and bad foods and they're placing all the foods on there and I'm just thinking to myself you know some of the foods that are on the bad side are foods that are served like in your school lunches like how does that make those kids feel that rely on school lunches right. you know that's just so psychologically damaging because they're like well am I like a worse person than the other kids because I have to eat the school lunch and it's bad foods you know, we don't want that for kids. So I definitely think there needs to be more of an effort behind that. Ah, yeah. And some of these things we just keep doing and we don't realize it either until we stop and think about like, oh, yeah, that's that's probably not the best case here. <laughs> <laughs> so on Instagram, do you have any popular posts or reels that have really resonated with your audience? People tend to like this stuff when I talk about sweets and like how we talk about sweets and how you offer sweets because yeah. that seems to be something that a lot of people just don't really know how to navigate those situations. Right. What are some good practices um, in offering sweet foods to kids? Um, so I talk to a lot of my clients about this and we do, we say make sure that your foods have a PFF, like a BFF, but we want to pair them protein, fat, and fiber together. So maybe your sweet is your fiber. Um, but we want to make sure that we're getting at least two of those for snacks. So if you choose to have cookies for a snack, we're going to pair it with a cheese stick or some milk or some nuts, whatever is appropriate for their age and their likes. So that's my biggest piece of advice is making sure when we're offering those sweets, they are paired with something else so that the kids don't end up hungry later. We don't have those like blood sugar spikes and crashes, you know, it can lead to a little bit more crankiness than we would prefer. So That's a great tip. I see one on here about a toddler to eat a vegetable. How do you help kids eat more colorful foods? Yeah. So that starts with um, what they're eating already. So like I have um, a client right now who their child really only eats carrots for their um, vegetables and um, their child eats fruits too. So it's not that huge of a concern. And that's what I keep reminding them is they're getting all of those vitamins and minerals from the fruit. So we're just going to work on exposure right now. Like it's okay if they don't eat them right away, but we want to make sure we're continuing to expose because we can't expect kids to just up and eat broccoli if they haven't had it on their plate several times. Um, but yeah, working from where they're at. So we try doing maybe like rainbow carrots or doing some orange bell peppers, doing things that are a little bit similar to what they like already and building on that from there. Cause that helps build the kid's confidence in what they're eating. So if they eat maybe an orange carrot and then they try a purple carrot, which has the same, um, similar flavor and it has the same, you know, texture. So when they bite it, it's still crunchy, like an orange carrot. Um, but it's a different color. So this can build their confidence. And then we remind them like, oh, you know, now they eat two different foods. Like that's doubled food, food exposure there. And then they can have that confidence to maybe try a new food next time. Um, and then also getting them just 
exposed to those foods. Um, you can play games with the food. You can get them involved in cooking and helping you cook um, or gardening and grocery shopping. Really anything where you get exposed to seeing the food, learning about it, touching it. It's all great exposure. And that's going to help them be more comfortable to eating that once it is offered on their plate. I love it. Sometimes I think fruit um, is not put on high of a pedestal as vegetables are. <laughs> They're still extremely nutri- nutritious. <laughs> yeah, yes, they are. Where can people connect with you? Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram at nutritionist Haley. Um, and I think that's it for now. I'm on Facebook okay. also. Okay. And I think it's just Haley Walker Nutrition. And um, tell everyone about your current programs. Yeah, so I work one-on-one right now um, with my clients to do that. Um, and we work with um, introducing new foods to like babies. We're doing baby-led weaning and then um, picky eating and um, raising intuitive eaters. So I have a good mix and those all kind of intermingle too. Um, so we talk about all of those things with all of my clients. Um, and I do that. And then I'm also working on my website to have kind of a blog, get up and running, um, and offer some recipes and stuff for, um, parents who want to help picky eaters with that. Cause sometimes it can be a little confusing on where to start. So I'm working on that right now currently and maybe have a few ebooks because um, I'm also a chef and I just love love cooking and creating recipes. So I bet you have some fabulous ideas for that for kiddos too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there I saw on your Instagram, there is a link questionnaire to work with you. Yeah. So on my, yeah. So that link on my Instagram will take you to my application to work with me. And it has a little video on there that kind of goes over um, a little bit more about my program in depth and then what you can expect to get out of that. Perfect. Um, Any other last takeaways that you want to share before we get into our closing questions? I don't think so. I love it. I love this ending picky eating, raising intuitive eating and having peaceful meals. (laughs) Every parent needs and wants that. Yes. (laughs) Dream. Yes. Um, So with our first closing question, we have, if you were in a TV show, which one would you be in? Um, I would probably be in The Office. That's one of my favorite shows. I just think all the characters are so funny. It'd be fun to hang out with them. You can never go wrong with The Office. There was a Office Marathon, I think, Christmas Vacation, and that was just on our TVs all the time. (laughs) (laughs) What is one food someone has said a dietitian eats that? Um, I usually get kale. Okay. And they look at you like that. Uh, What's your favorite feel-good food? Um, Oh, gosh. I don't know. I always struggle with these questions. I just love all food so much. Well, you know, yeah, being a chef, I have like tried all of the food, but I would say like any kind of, uh, I love soup. I would say any kind of a soup I would go for. I love that answer. Um, Yeah, we never really talked about uh, the years for chef. Was that before nutrition or was that during or after? 
Yeah. So I went into college with um, dreams of opening a restaurant. So I went to culinary school and it took me, usually it's a two year program, um, but I was offered an internship in Scotland. So I went over there and did, um, I lived there for six months and I cooked at the golf course over there. Um, and we did like the British Open. So I got to cook for a bunch of um, golfers and stuff, which I love because I'm a golfer. So um, that was super fun. But that delayed um, all of my schooling a little bit, like by a year. So it took me three years to get through culinary school. And then um, by the time I was almost under that, I was pregnant. And so I was, you know, I was nine months pregnant. My due date was during my final exam of culinary school, which is a three hour, um, you have to put together like a five course meal. And yeah, I was like, uh, am I going to pass if I go into labor like during this? (laughs) And luckily I did not. So after I did that, you know, it ended up being, um, I decided to go into nutrition because I had a few chefs who were, you know, all the food stuff is really sciencey. And I loved all of the science behind that and kind of learning why when we cook things different ways, it turns out like that. Um, And then we had one nutrition course in culinary school and it was taught by a dietitian. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, I like this kind of stuff a lot. So um, that led me to look into um, doing my dietetics program after that. So, Wow. Um, thanks to my dietetic schooling, I learned how to make a roux and I use that all the time. So in my cooking. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you had quite the process uh, through all this in finding this out. But I do love how they mold together. And there's so much great education and information that you can provide for your clients and your audience. Yeah. Yep. I love it. Haley, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. You gave so much great information um, for raising intuitive picky eaters. We appreciate your time so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Such great tips from Haley and She's exceptionally qualified in teaching this area from her educational background in nutrition, being certified as a chef, and let's not forget, a mom herself in helping her own child through this process. This stage of life is such a tough one. Hugs to you if you're in this area. But finding help is a crucial step to help your child develop a healthy relationship with food. So if you are in this stage of life, go check Haley out on Instagram as Nutritionist Haley. I just love seeing the different niches so many of the dietitians take and how they can really make a difference in so many people's lives. (sighs) That's a wrap for this episode. And thank you for joining us on the Daily Dietitian Podcast.